You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. There is no known antidote to the poisoning of pufferfish. According to the CDC, the first stage of pufferfish poisoning, if you were to ingest it, is a prickling sensation in your lips and your tongues, and then followed soon after by numbness and paralysis of your entire face. Some of us, that might help us out, right? Next, the toxin moves to your extremities, and so your extremities quit working, and then further into your body. And then once it reaches your respiratory muscles, it becomes difficult and then impossible to breathe. And then at the point, you're a goner. It can take anywhere from 20 minutes to 24 hours after exposure to kill you. Believe it or not, this fish is actually a delicacy in Japan. It is a highly prized dish, and they call it fuju. F-U-G-U. Fuju. And a chef has to be trained for two years and then licensed to be able to know exactly perfectly how to fillet one of these guys and then serve it up so that it doesn't kill somebody. But even in spite of that, about five people a year die from it and 30 to 50 people are hospitalized. In the U.S., if you were to get a plate of fuju, it could cost you up to 200 bucks. Right. So why in the world would anybody want to spend 200 bucks on a plate of food that could kill them? Well, there's the thrill factor in it, right? The adrenaline surge of, okay, this is really risky. This might hurt me. And then they say, I'm not going to personally find out about this, but they say that there is a euphoric sense of a feeling you get when you eat it. So Just the right amount of this poison actually gives you a buzz. And so, I guess it's kind of like a legal food, but it's a drug that you spend 200 bucks on to eat and maybe you might die from. Personally, barbecue does that for me. (laughs) And it's way less expensive, and it would take a lot more of it before it killed me. So... I'm going to stick with barbecue, personally. (laughs) Well, others might want to have fuju. The rules and the laws that the religious leaders tacked on to God's law were like a poisonous dish that was tempting to eat, believe it or not. At first, it seemed delicious, created a sense of euphoria. Why is that? Because it pleased our sinful nature. It appeals to ourself. You see, our struggle against God day in and day out is we want to be in charge of our life. We want to be in control and not surrender that control to God. And so that is our constant battle with our fleshly sinful nature day in and day out. And if we think that through additional rules and regulations, we can somehow earn favor with God or earn our salvation through these things, We feel like we're more in control. And so that is the temptation to take part in this poisonous legalistic mindset 
and view. In verse 16, believers are instructed to not let anyone judge us in regard to food, drink, festivals, or traditions, and that these things are but a shadow. They're just a shadow. And what this means is that man's traditions, rules, regulation, laws, are a false, lesser version of what the real thing is. It can be defined as an obscured or darkened version of the real thing. The true real thing is Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says Christ is the substance. Now, I am not saying that all man's rules, laws, or traditions are bad. Not saying that at all. Nor am I saying that some of the things that we do, that we have instituted, that aren't in Scripture, but are things that we do, are necessarily bad. I'm sure we could all come up with some ideas and things that we could fill in the blanks of, even things that we do here in church when we gather together, that we do and participate in together, that are not exactly in Scripture, they're not exactly wrong. And we'll explore how this stays in balance and what we need to do as we move on here. But the fact of the matter is, is that none of these things should ever take precedence over Christ or biblical law, what God says in his word. That's when we get upside down. So when our preferences say on how we lay out our service and the order of which we do it, what we do in the service, how we paint the walls, how we dress when we come, or how other people dress, or if we drink alcohol or not, a lot of those things, you know, it's not illegal per God to drink alcohol, right? Okay. Making sure we're all on the same page here. What we do with those things, or whether we eat pork or not, like was an issue for some during this time, versus what we do today, that would totally wipe out my whole barbecue, and, and, you know, desires, and so that would knock me off. But um, the point of the matter is, is that things here that we tack on as men should never take precedence over what God desires and wants of us. Okay? And not that men's traditions, things, especially this time of year, going into Christmas and Thanksgiving, there are a lot of traditions that are wonderful. And beautiful things. But nowhere in Scripture does it say to put up a Christmas tree, does it? Nowhere in Scripture does it say you have to hang up your lights at your house or to wrap presents. You know, they don't have to be wrapped. You can still give them. You know, things like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking shots at my family here, sorry. <laughs> yeah, she's shaking her finger at me. I'll be in trouble later. Check on me later. Make sure I survive. <laughs> Listen to this modern-day version of some additional rules, laws, and traditions that religious leaders heaped on people back then, but this is kind of a modernized version of it. I did not come up with this. What if your church's elders, that would be around here, that would be Tony, Gary, and myself, what if we passed down a rule that members couldn't take more than 1,999 steps on the Lord's Day without facing church discipline? Just one more step would represent a long trip a no-no on the day that God set aside for worship. What if they said you could not carry your Bible to church since such heavy lifting would too closely resemble work? Anything heavier than a dried fig is strictly taboo, they say. Or what if they added a clause in the church's constitution and bylaws that members must not leave a radish in salt since that vegetable might become a pickle and pickle-making is work? What if they added subparagraphs to the church's constitution prescribing disciplinary action for those 
found guilty of other activities on the Lord's day, such as carrying a pen, lest you be tempted to write, carrying a needle, a needle lest you be tempted to sew, helping those sick with non-life-threatening illnesses. Those things can all wait till Monday. Looking in the mirror and removing dirt from her clothes. All would be taboo. Ridiculous, isn't it? But that's what these people were living under in Paul's time that he's writing the letter. And we today can do the same thing. We can tack on things that are not from God and making our life and our appointment and how we look at other people, that that's what it's about rather than whether or not we're following God and being more filled up with Christ. Pufferfish poisoning interferes with signals from the nerves to the muscles, causing the muscles like your lungs and heart not to work. Legalism poisoning affects us in other spiritually lethal ways. One way is this. Legalism promotes self instead of Christ. Legalism promotes self instead of Christ. It becomes being about the individual's choices and performance rather than the grace of Jesus Christ. It just puts the glory on the person and the works of that person instead of on the Savior. Galatians 2.21 says that if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In other words, righteousness here being salvation. If we could be good enough to earn our salvation and it came through the law and doing the right thing, then Christ died for no reason. I'm not even tempted to go down that path to say that the Son of God came to earth and died for no reason. The second thing that legalism promotes is ourself instead of others. This is the second way that it poisons us. Legalism promotes division in the body instead of unity. When we are more concerned with our efforts and works rather than being enamored with the grace of Jesus Christ, it is far easier to judge others and their works or their lack of work. Instead, we should have the mindset and the outlook of how undeserving we are of God's grace. We should be enamored with the awe of that every single day. And as we realize how much we need that grace, how immeasurable it is, we would then respond by praying that others would also believe in and receive that same grace. Not in, oh God, help them get it, because I have it. Not in that mindset or attitude, but out of, Lord, let them see and experience this unbelievable grace that you have given me also that they might experience it and be enamored and in awe of you. Third, legalism promotes entitlement instead of thankfulness. It promotes entitlement instead of thankfulness. You see, when we're poisoned by legalism, we can also begin to think that God owes us because of our choices and our works. Well, I have followed you, God. I, I didn't party and drink in college or in high school, and so... Now you need to give me this great job. You owe that to me because I've obeyed you. And see, we're falsely mistaken looking at it that way. How could we ever put God in a place of owing us anything? As we just sang, it's his breath in our lungs. It's his life in our cells. 
It's his creation and his effort that puts the spark that keeps our heart beating. In him and to him are all things, as it says in Romans eleven thirty four through 36. It is impossible for us to have anything or do anything that could cause God to ever be in debt to us. Look at verse 23. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, in other words, legalism, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Has anybody tried to kick a habit or not do the wrong thing by just trying harder, putting more rules on your life? Has it ever worked? No. It's never worked. I know I have tried at different points in my life. Let's talk about something far less taboo than we could talk about. Let's just say exercise and getting into a pattern of exercising. And so you put parameters in your place of trying to be more motivated to go and to get to the gym or to work out at your house or whatever. And so you buy the cool videos, you buy the expensive diet meal plans, you set the reminders on the phones, you get the Fitbit watches and count your steps and all the things we try to do that try to keep us motivated. When the reality is that we just need to change what we believe. Do I really believe that I glorify God more by taking care of the body that he's given me? Thus, I will be more healthier and have energy, more energy to serve him with a healthier body. If I believe that, well, it's a lot more motivating for me to stay in shape, to be healthy, to eat healthy, so that I can do those things for him. While there is not yet an antidote or anti-venom for pufferfish poisoning, praise God there is one for legalism poisoning. So to continue using this same analogy, I believe it takes two different types of doses to fully complete the cure for legalism poisoning. Thankfulness is one, and dependence is the other. Both doses have the primary, central, and supreme ingredient of Jesus Christ. Dose number one of our antidote is thankfulness, specifically for Christ, his work on the cross. Verse 17 tells us that the rules, laws, and traditions of man are a shadow, an obscured or darkened version of the real thing, but that the substance, the real thing, is Jesus Christ. The Greek word for substance here means that that which casts the shadow. That which casts the shadow. Now, I would love to go back to Paul and talk to him and say, but Paul, wouldn't you want to say also that he's like the sun and the part that casts the shadow? You know, wordplay, Paul, come on, man, S-U-N, S-O-N. We could really make this a really cool, but he doesn't. I believe the rest of Scripture says that and points to that, that Christ is the source, as we looked in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. But in this specific verse, he's saying that Christ is that which casts a shadow. So Jesus Christ being that true authentic source and substance of our worship. And that anything we tack on, even if it's good things, are darkened, obscured compared to him. You see, God initiated his love for us by creating us in Genesis 1.26, by loving us, as we see in John 3.16, and then even more miraculously beyond that through Jesus Christ and the cross, as we see in Romans 5.10. When we begin to taste a little bit of the reality of what this means, 
our natural response should be thankfulness and gratitude. We recognize that it is a gift we do not deserve, we can never earn, and can never repay. Nor could we ever coerce God into owing us through a lifetime of good deeds. We could do an eternity of good deeds and never put God into our debt. And then out of the overflow of our thankfulness for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we recognize the horror of our sin and our utter depravity. Have you, have you seen that in yourself yet? Whether you know him as your Lord and Savior or not yet. Have you seen how no matter what you do, how hard you try, you just can't get rid of it. It's there. You start making some headway on what you think is that big sin in your life. Whatever that is. And you're like, hey, I'm, I'm not falling into that temptation as much and I'm doing well. And then you turn around and you realize you just judged the driver on the highway that cut you off. Like, what an idiot. I can't believe. And you go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I may be winning in this category, but I've still got issues in my heart over here or Lack of patience, waiting in line, buying things for Thanksgiving coming up. Or heaven forbid, if any of y'all are crazy enough to do Black Friday shopping. Pray up. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) If you're like me, just don't even go. Order online and avoid falling into that sin. (laughs) We realize... By putting our focus and thankfulness on Christ and what he's done, we realize more and more how much more we need him every day. So dose number two is dependence on Christ. Thankfulness and dependence. Verse 20, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? If you've chosen Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've died to that old self, Why would you jump back into that? Why would you pick those chains of slavery and bondage of sin back up, put them back on your wrist and your ankles, and walk in that again? By following and believing in the man's laws and traditions and rules of man. Why would we want to shackle ourselves back up? But instead, to depend on Christ. The one who saves us, to gives us a gift we can never repay of an immeasurable value. And as we've talked about, Christ gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us all things. His desire for us to obey and serve him is not because he needs it. He does not need us to love him. He is completely and totally self-sufficient without our love. He does not need us to obey him. Acts 17.25 tells us that. But because he loves us and knows what is best for us, and what is best for us to do is doing what he created us to do. You see, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So he has created us to glorify him, to worship him, to love him, and obey him out of our love for him. And he is simply saying, here is my love letter to you. Here is how you can best glorify and worship me. Here is how you can feel most complete and have purpose in your life by following what I ask you to do in this short time here on earth. 
Nowhere else will we feel purpose. Nowhere else will we find contentment when we are worshiping God and loving Him and obeying Him. We won't. In our careers, no. We can get laid off. Management can change. Policy can change. They can and will fail us. Our spouses can and will fail us. Hopefully only in a moment, but they can. Our kids will disappoint us. Sorry, boys. You mess up, right? I disappoint you. I mess up. Anything other than Christ will leave us hanging. Why then will we choose to submit ourselves to things of the world? Why then would we go back into those chains? Allowing that poison to asphyxiate us. So instead of establishing more rules or working harder to do better, to obey Christ better, why not surrender more fully to Him? Why not become more dependent on Him? I think the crux of the matter boils down to what I said earlier. If we surrender more fully, we are afraid we will be less important, somehow less complete, and trusting God to be in control of our, how, our lives, honestly, can be scary. It really can. There can be a lot of unknowns in it. But I'm standing here today before you, and I know there are many other in this room knowing their stories that could stand up and testify to this as well. No matter how scary it feels or frustrating it seems in the moment, Choosing to trust Him and depend on Him more fully will always net a far better return at the end. Always. I've tried it my way. And it only ends in more disappointment. It only ends in more stress and more fear. So let's choose to trust Him more fully because we have these promises of who he is he's unchanging he's unwavering he's unmoving he is the promise keeper he is the rule setter the lawgiver and the law keeper he is emmanuel which means god with us and the prince of peace he is the sacrificial lamb and the conquering king he is all and in all. And we owe him all. And what a blessing that is to get to when we surrender ourselves to Christ. Christ being our substance. We become far more of who we were created to be. We were created to love and glorify God. That we would be thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thankful for his work, his love, the breath he gives us. And as we grow in our thankfulness, that our daily dependence on that gospel would increase. It is our antidote and our immunity for the things of this world that tempt us to hack it out our own way. C.S. Lewis states it simply like this. God loves not because we are lovable, but because he is love. 
Not because he needs to receive, but because he delights to give. I'm going to read that one more time. God loves, not because we are lovable. He makes us lovable through Christ. But because he is love. Isn't that profound? It's based on him, in other words, so it won't change. We can't blow it. God will never fall out of love with us. It's not because he needs to receive anything from us. Aren't you glad it's not dependent on our works? Holy cow, I would have blown it a long time ago. (laughs) It's not dependent on our works. It's dependent on him and because he delights to give. No wonder he tells us this time of year that it's more blessed to give than receive because he is modeling it and doing it. And he knows it. As we grow in our love and understanding for Christ through our time studying his word, through our time in prayer, our, our commitment here as a faith family, worshiping together, this local body is better when each of us are here. It is better. Now, I might be the toenail that has fungus on it, but it's better even if I'm here. Some of you are the beautiful parts of this body, and it's better when you're here. If we're the parts that need to stay inside a shoe and hidden, we're still better if you're here. As we do those things, we'll grow in our thankfulness for His grace, His love, and sacrifice for us. Our realization will grow as we know we need Him even more. And He loves to give. He loves to give us that help. Now, that help won't always look like what we think it should look like. But that help will always be better than what it should be. And what we think it should be. If you are sick and tired of being poisoned by man's philosophies, rules, and traditions, choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Only He can break you out of those chains and that bondage. Let us build up an immunity to legalism poisoning through our thankfulness for our dependence on Christ. And that we will only be satisfied by tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Fears of failure, fears of being trapped, fears of finances, fears of health, fears of relationships imploding. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him.